We're going over URI's previous matchup versus LIU in the opener. Their upcoming match against number 7 Maryland on the road. Scores from across the A-10 and Power 5 over the first couple days of college basketball, as well as upcoming matchups for next week of college basketball. All here, all for you, on Ballin' with B-Show. And welcome to episode three of season two of Ball and B Show. As always, I am your host, Gavin B Show. We have a lot to get into today, so let's get right into it. The Rams had their first game against Long Island University at home, the opener. First game of the year. And the Rams impressed in their opener, winning with the score of 76 to 65 over the Sharks of Long Island. Fats Russell highlighted the stat line with 18 points, 7 assists. Cyril added 16 points, 15 boards. We'll get into into him later uh, about his performance in the game. Jacob Topton, freshman, off the bench with 11 points, 7 boards. Jeff Dowden added 13, so did Tyrese Martin, as long as 8 boards. Rhode Island shot 27 for 70 from the field, 38%. Pretty decent, not the best if you want to beat Maryland which is upcoming on Saturday night. They shot 9 for 26 from 3, around 35%, which is much better than last year when they shot around 28%, one of the worst in NCAA. For LIU, they were led by Ty Flowers, who took tons and tons of shots. It didn't look like he was going to stop, and he didn't. Only scoring 15 points, he took a lot of shots, 12 boards, and then off the bench, Ashton Bradley scored 21 for the Sharks, as they shot 32% from the field, going 22 for 68. And, listen for this, 13 for 44 from three. They shot 44 threes. That is insane, only making around 30% of them. And they only played six players in LIU. URI played nine or ten, I think, if you count the walk-on Eric Datica getting in. But LIU not deep at all, as it just seemed they were tired and wore down. The stretch there in the game. If we we go over, URI had a I think eight point leads, thirty six twenty at halftime. I seen it seemed like during the game they had always had control, never was really close except when LIU got back to eight points in the mid second half. But URI really had control the whole game. They just didn't really pull away like they needed to. Well, I thought they would pull away. LIU just stayed in there with three point shooting and near the second half, I think there was a stall between 12 minutes and around 8 minutes where URI was around 55 to 60 points. Um, and it's not good offense then. And those inconsistencies have to stop if they want to be a very, very, very talented team in Maryland, especially on the road. One takeaway from the game is Cyril Langevin's performance. He did pretty well. I mean, 16 points, 15 boards. Pretty damn good. But he did go 7 for 17. He did miss a lot of putbacks as well as Rhode If they want to fix a couple things for the Maryland game, they missed a lot of putbacks. I'd say at least five, anywhere from five to eight putbacks. That should have been easy buckets. They did miss, so that did give them a little disadvantage in the game. As they were getting a ton of offensive rebounds, but did not turn them into points. As well as three-point defense, I mean, I know LIU, I don't know, shot pretty wet. Pretty terrible 
uh, rather, uh, through the three-pointer, 13 for 44. He missed 29 threes. Pretty good for defense. But I felt like they got too many open threes that they didn't make. I felt that they got a lot of open shots off mismatches and screens. People getting lost behind the defense. Which, of course, is another focus to get better. And, yeah, besides the putbacks and the three-point defense that people say it was beautiful because they only let up 30%, but they let up a lot of shots. So, yeah, good teams are going to make those shots, and you guys got to stop that. So that's going to be it from the LIU game. Player of the game definitely goes to Fats Russell, only 18 points, especially this year with the questions of how he's going to do after last year, where he had last year he was hot down the stretch, but he shot 22% from three. He went six for 12 in the game, shooting 50% from the field, which helped him out. So yeah, fast player of the game. And on to the next. Uri on Saturday night plays number seven, Maryland, on the road. A very tough game, but a very good game to get for David Cox and the crew in Kingston. Coach of the Maryland Terps, Mark Turgeon. Last year, they went 23-11, and 13-7 in the Big Ten, which gave them a fifth-place finish. Their first game was also Tuesday night against Holy Cross, where they won 95-71 to pretty handily in that victory. In that game, Maryland flawed from three-point line, definitely shooting only 18%, which can help out Rhodey in the game from, from the uh, three-point line. 5 for 27. It could be the pushback three-point line by a couple inches. But, again, not a good performance from the three-point line at all from the Maryland Turpins. They did shoot, though, 37 for 76 from the field um, on Tuesday night. 48%. Very efficient. Very good. And that's really going to kill you. They had only six fouls in the game, and 64 of their points were scored inside the three-point arc. So 64 points were scored off traditional basketball. No threes. So that's something to look out for. They have a lot of star-studded filled forwards that can go in at any moment, as well as some veteran guards, especially Anthony Cohen Jr., a senior for the Turpins. He led them last year with 15.6 points a game. He had 12 points against Holy Cross, the leader in points that game, and probably the player of that game. Jalen Smith, sophomore forward, 6'10". He had 60 points, 11 rebounds. He did average 11.7 points last year, so he's adding in a bit more than average of last year, showing how he's gotten better over the offseason. Eric Ayla, sophomore guard, added 12 points, as well as Daryl Morsell. A junior came off the bench adding 15 points. Yeah, but another flaw I saw in their offense, not just the 18% three-point percentage, which is horrendous, but they did go 16 for 24 free th- in the free-throw line, 66%. And that kind of makes sense when you think about it. If they make 64 points in the paint, that means they get the ball to the forwards or get a lot of inside shots, means a lot of foul shots. And those forwards who are not typically good at free-throws, like guards who are usually pretty good from free throw line, so it does make sense that their woes from the free throw line do come from probably their forwards. Not a big shocker in that one. So for I think I think for URI, their main goal 
is basically to score 80-plus points. They need to score 80-plus points because this team, Maryland, they're very efficient from the field. They can score anywhere except the three-point line. But anywhere inside the three-point line, from jump shots to layups to, to post shot to hook shots, whatever it is, they can score in a facet that's not as popular in today's modern basketball game. You or I have to shoot above 35% from three. They got to make threes. They got to knock down at least 10 threes if they want to stay in this game, and they got to hit their free throws, which is something I saw on Tuesday night against LIU when Cyril's free throws are looking much smoother. He did go two for four, I think, only, but he's got more arc on his shot. He's got more rhythm to it. He's not just chucking it up and shaking while he's shooting it, which is always nerve-wracking to see, especially last year when they really needed points. But they need to make their free throws. They need to hit some threes. They got to basically do everything. They got to play good defense. They got to score 80 points. If they score 80 points, go over 35% from three and hit their free throws, miss only like four to five if they take a reasonable amount. I can see Rody keeping this within five, ten points, which is not what many think. I am very confident for the game as um, David Cox is from that area. He knows the game. He loves Maryland basketball. He knows how they roll. So I'm excited to see what's in store on Saturday night at 9 o'clock on FS1 for the Rhode Island Rams. Now, over the last couple of days, if you haven't known, college basketball has kicked off and the A-10 as well, non-conference games, have kicked off. So we're going to start with Tuesday night scores from the A-10. So I'm going to start with VCU, number 25 in the country. They're putting AP pulled. They ended up beating St. Francis of Pennsylvania, 72-58. to Marcos Santos Silva, 21 points, 18 boards. Absolute hoss of a player. He is just going to be, he's going to lead that team to a lot of victories this year. He is just so physical, strong, like Cyril Angevine, but, I mean, he's just Unbelievable. It's hard to stop. So, yeah. Beast. <laughs> Duquesne with a crushing victory over Princeton, 94-67. to Princeton was leading by five at halftime, but then were outscored by the Dukes by 32 points. That's a lot. 32 points in the second half. Sincere Carey led the Duquesne Dukes with 23 points, five boards, five assists. Kind of did everything. For them, of course, you arrived to defeat LIU 76-65. Fats leads with 18 points and 7 assists. St. Joe's got a much-wanted victory over Bradley, 86-81. Ryan Daly led St. Joe's with 26 points and 5 boards and 4 assists. George Mason had an overtime victory over Navy, 68-55. A.J. Wilson led George Mason with 15 points and 11 boards. Funny thing, George Mason outscored Navy 16-13. to no, 16 to 3. Check that. Yeah, 16 to 3 in overtime. George Mason only scored 20 points in 20 minutes in the first half. They almost reached that in 5 minutes in overtime, which I, I thought was kind of kind of funny. Towson defeated George Washington 72 to 58. I'm not really shocked George Washington's not that good of a team. Jameer Nelson led George Washington with 15 points. UMass defeated UMass Lowell by 15, 79-64, while T.J. Weeks led UMass with 23 points, a couple of steals, and three boards. St. Louis crushed Florida Gulf Coast, outscoring them by 22 points in the first half. 89-67, to Jordan Goodwin 
led St. Louis with 18 points, 9 boards. Fordham got a victory over San Francisco, Brooklyn. Their schedule's just terrible, non-conference. They have they play no one, probably except Nevada. It's probably the only good team they play. But they probably still lose a couple of those games against really bad teams. Chubba Ohams, who seemed to be around forever, forward for St. Fordham. 19 points and 13 boards for Chubba in the Fordham Rams. Now to a game that I left last because there's a lot of explaining to do. Well, not really. But St. Bonaventure loses the opener at home to Ohio, 65-53. to Bobby Planutis was probably St. Bonaventure's best player overall on the court as there's a couple with 14 and 12 points, but he added 8 points, 10 boards, and 2 assists, especially with the um, the exit of sophomore Phenom, Oshana Osuni, early in the game. He came out with crutches as he had a bone bruise on his knee as it came out, but people thought it was much worse. He should be out for a month. And St. Bonaventure should be back with Mark Schmidt's squad up there in Olean. But St. Bonaventure was in this place before. They were in the depths of it, <laughs> as you could say. But they did survive and made it the A-10 championship and were a three-pointer away from the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, that is the recap of the A-10 scores. Let's go right in to the Power 5 scores. There's a lot of good games played this week, the last couple days, especially the State Farm Champions Classic. Kentucky upset number one Michigan State, 69-62. Duke, number four in the country, defeated number three Kansas, 68-66. to And a game that I thought was going to be very good, past all expectations, St. Mary's, number 20, went to Wisconsin and defeated the Badgers in Madison, 65-63 to in overtime. What a game between those two opponents. UNC defeated Notre Dame in a game where it was looking kind of rough for UNC. They weren't making shots. Cole Anthony only had nine points in the first half, but then had 25 in the second half. Notre Dame looked like they were in control. They had the lead for a good amount until mid-second half where UNC made 13 or 14 field goals in a row, which killed the momentum of the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Ohio State defeated Cincy 64-56, to a game that was highly anticipated in Columbus, lived up to its expectations. Then, a future team that URI plays, Alabama, drops their first game, to Penn, 81-80. to I, I knew this was going to be a sneaky good game. I kept my eye on it all night. But I never thought Bama would lose. I thought they would pull out, especially that they're at home. They had the chance to take the lead with around, I don't know, a couple seconds left. They had two free throws, and they missed both to lose to Penn. Utah defeated Nevada at Nevada, 79-74. And UCLA avoids the upset from pretty solid Long Beach State University team, 69-65. And a game I was locked into last night, and if you weren't, you missed out on the ACC Network, was the Pitt-FSU game. And wow, it was a stunner. Pitt ended up winning 63-61 to in that one. The Oakland Zoo was going crazy. And for FSU, 
they only had two players really producing, and that was Vassal from with 14 points and Forrest, both guards with 19 points. The, the, the game was kind of boring. I will admit, at first, 25-25 halftime, nothing too much on offense. It was, it was stalling for a bit. I think midway through the first, it was like 12-9 FSU. That's just never good to see. But it was an ugly game, but FSU just should have beat Pitt but they just played horrible, as most FSU sports do in this year. Football stinks. Basketball, capital, stinks. Quote Pat McAfee on that one. And Pitt just took advantage. And yeah, um, Ryan Murphy was really the three-point shooter. Went three for six for Pitt. Came off the bench with 13 points. It was an overall effort for Pitt. A really scrappy victory in an ugly game. So, against a team like FSU that stinks again. So, yeah. Now we're going to get into games for the upcoming week till next Wednesday before a podcast comes out next Thursday. And they are a lot of good games. I'm excited. To, if, if I'm being serious. For the Power Five, we'll start off with Florida State at number six, Florida, this Sunday, the, the 10th. Yeah, the 10th. And this has the potential to be upset by Florida State if they can all play, you know, a solid basketball game with everyone, not two players fouling out and everyone plays well instead of what happened last night. Stinks. Uh, Washington at Baylor in, in Alaska, which adds more flavor to it on Friday. This Friday, or tomorrow, rather, tomorrow night. Before you rise game against Maryland on FS1 at 9 o'clock, on FS1 at 7 o'clock, Texas of Austin travels to number 23, Purdue. Solid game. Look out for that one. Oklahoma visits Minnesota. Ski Uma in South Dakota. I don't know why it's in there, but big day for Minnesota on Saturday. Illinois at number 21, Arizona, on Saturday night. Now, that is an intriguing matchup. You have a team that was ranked in John Rothstein's top 45. I got the number 21, Arizona team. See what they're built out of. This game is probably highlighted as one of the best games of the week, and I can't wait to see on Saturday night. Creighton travels to Michigan on Tuesday night, as well as Minnesota travels to Butler. They have a big week. Minnesota, after playing OU in South Dakota, travels to Hinkle Fieldhouse on Tuesday night to face off against the Butler Bulldogs. Number 10, Villanova travels to Ohio State University next Wednesday. Another great game, great matchup. Another one for Purdue. Number 23, Purdue has to travel to Marquette next Wednesday. And then PC has to travel to Northwestern on Wednesday. Very good games. For that Wednesday slate as well as Saturday night. Adding to that Wednesday slate, which is going to be added in our 8-10. We have number 22 LSU travels to VCU, number 25 in the nation. That's going to be an exciting game. Again, another team you rise playing. So that will be good to see and scout out LSU. Arizona State travels to Colorado in a Pac-12 matchup on Friday night. Number 14 Memphis is the home team, but it's, it's, it's in Portland, Oregon. Uh, against Oregon. Number 14 versus number 15 on Tuesday night in the Phil Knight Invitational. What a matchup that would be. Mizzou travels to 19 Xavier on Tuesday night. And another A-10 
game that that's big for the conference. In Annapolis, Maryland, number 24 Auburn versus Davidson, a team that almost lost. Let me think. I think it was Georgia Southern. They won by like seven. So Auburn, that Elite Eight, really sh puts that number 24 on their rankings. But a team that Davidson can beat with Kellen Grady, John Axel, Goodmanson, Luke Frampton, and company with Bob Killip at the helm. I feel that Davidson can definitely pull out a victory against number 24 Auburn. And I hope they do to strengthen this conference, strengthen it even more than it is with the falling out of, of course, St. Bonaventure. Not, not really a falling out, but as we'll see, they get into a, a tough couple games in the schedule. We go here. We see the upcoming A-10 games over the week. Of course, Auburn-Davidson, the LSU-VCU game. Both games, incredible. Tune in if you can. Auburn-Davidson's on Friday night, and LSU-VCU is on Wednesday night. Another game that VCU plays is North Texas at VCU. Another team URI plays to scout out, so that's good for any URI fan that wants to stop in and watch that game. Vermont travels to St. Bonaventure. I think Vermont will win this one, but I'd like to see how St. Bonaventure fares on Friday night without their star forward, Oshun Osuni. And Northeastern travels to UMass on Tuesday to see what Mac McCall's team is really made of after a win versus UMass Lowell. And St. Bonnie at Sienna. They play a team that beat American University, the school which my oldest brother currently attends. Sienna whooped AU. And AU plays at George Washington. I think AU will probably get the victory. The Eagles will. But George Washington, Battle of D.C., underrated game. It's kind of like the suck bowl between the Dolphins and the Redskins, but just Battle of D.C. of teams that stink. AU, George Washington. If, you, if AU, American University, sounds familiar, it is a team that E.C. Matthews towards ACL against in the first 10 minutes. Back in 2016, I believe. Oh, no, 2015. So, yeah, that is going to be it for this episode of Ballin' with B-Show. Very exciting upcoming week for Rhodey as well as anyone who's rooting for a Power 5 team or just watching college basketball is going to be very lit, very intriguing to see how these teams fare. It'll really give us a clear view of the landscape of college basketball after the first week and a half of games. I'm excited. And if you're not, you're at the wrong place to be. We have it all. We have everything. All the coverage. All college basketball. And, of course, your Rhode Island Rams. Always on Ball and B Show. See you next Thursday. And, as always, roadie, roadie, roadie.